Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. seasons so I have some thoughts on that and uh, some mailbag questions let's get to it so winning time is a fascinating show it was a really cool concept it's based on an incredible book Uh, I think there is a lot going on as it pertains to the uh content industry the entertainment industry obviously you have the 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 writer and actor strike going on right now and uh that impacts the ability to sell the show and um and but but like some of what i've heard though is that the show's cancellation has something to do with some stuff beyond even the ability to sell the show and that uh viewership in the show obviously would have helped but some of these decisions were essentially the show was fighting an uphill battle in the second season um i i honestly didn't really i thought the second season had some highs I thought that the show has incredible potential, um, but I didn't necessarily think that the second season lived up to its potential. And uh, again, I don't think, well, well, this goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, My thoughts on the show do not in any way represent, uh, you know, things that could have been tweaked to save the show. This is just me watching the show as somebody who read the book and um, <laughs> indirectly lived a lot of the stuff by way of my my parents telling stories, my dad telling stories of, of what it was like to live through the Showtime Lakers up to the 1984 season. Uh, I was born in 86, so I have no real recollection of any of this stuff, and um all of my knowledge of this is just based off of, again, <laughs> stories told by my dad while I bounced on his, on his knee, and and uh, you know research and 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 just my love of the Lakers, you know, for the entirety of my lifetime. Uh, and and I think that HBO made some choices. Um, I don't. I, I'm always going to be kind of curious about whether those choices had something to do with some pressure being applied by the Lakers and by the NBA 
to kind of clean up the image of the marquee franchise of one of the four major sports leagues in America. And I thought that this second season was a pretty bland retelling of, uh, you know, obviously a crucial moment in Lakers history. Uh, it was those, the, the early eighties Lakers, uh, partied like, like hell. They obviously cocaine was a huge, big part of, of the NBA. And I can understand why the NBA would like us to all move on from the thought of that. Right. Uh, the Lakers at that point, Magic Johnson, uh, you know, we have this telling of, of his relationship with Cookie where like the last thing you hear about in the show is how he and Cookie remain married to this day. They didn't get married in 1984. <laughs> that did not happen. And you're kind of led to believe that in, in this show. Uh, you have the relationship between uh, Dr. Bus and Genie Bus, and basically no relationship between him and his sons shown on the show. That was a super interesting decision made by the show where I think that interfamily relationship, that, that, that the, the decisions to raise Jim Bus into power, um, Jim Bus's own life, like there's a lot of questions going on there. Um, that, that, you know, what, what was he doing in the eighties? What, where can we get any kind of enlightenment on that situation? Why did Dr. Bus offer him up that first opportunity? Cause if you watch this show and then you kind of fast forward ahead to Dr. Bus's eventual passing, and then you find out that he just like raised, he elevated Jim Bus into power. And all that you saw in the show was the relationship that Jim, uh, that that Jerry had with Jeannie. It's just like, okay, <laughs> there, there. It's it's a very ambiguous situation there. I I thought that the uh, the Celtics were shown in an interesting way, where or some of the choices made around the portrayal of the Celtics was was interesting. Not necessarily in like the actors chosen to play certain guys or whatever, but like if you are going to prop up the basketball in the way that um, Winning Time tried to, we well, have to offer up a little of like what made the Celtics so hateable at that time, you know? Uh, Kevin McHale whined after every fucking call, you know? Uh, Red Auerbach gets this, you know, and Michael Chiklis plays him in a very smug, you know, on-brand manner. And and you have that relationship between Red Auerbach and uh, Dr. Buss. You, you see almost no character building um, it, with that Celtics team. And it's like they arrive there through serendipity and, and I don't know, I, you see some of you, you, they, they really did try to build up Larry bird. And I thought they did a really good job with Larry bird. Um, I, I wish they would have gone into some of his own self doubt. Like it, uh, Larry bird is one of the most, he's, he's actually kind of similar to Jerry West in, in the, uh, some of the, the, the inner questions that he had of himself, uh, throughout his career. Um, he is a very confident guy. He was very outwardly confident, but he was also incredibly honest. And, and I, you know, obviously it's a bummer that we basically get like two fifths of the story. 
um, because of when HBO decided to cancel the show. But uh, yeah, eventually we do get to a point where where Larry Bird calls Magic Johnson the greatest player alive. Um, you would never have seen that coming from the Larry Bird that we saw there. He didn't want to give anybody any props, right? The idea that he like convinced Kevin McHale to to clothesline Kurt Rambis is okay. All right, it's very that's a dramatic choice. I get it. Um, I I just I just think this was a really big missed opportunity. Um, the 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 story of the Lakers in the '80s has a lot of the things that especially the HBO audience would be looking for. Um, there was a lot of interpersonal drama between uh, the 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 bus siblings and uh, Dr. Jerry Bus and uh, the the you know the goings on within that family as they decide like how they're going to chart the course moving forward. Um, you had Magic Johnson, you know, in in this show in the second season, it's made to look like he spent every waking moment trying to figure out a way to convince cookie to eventually marry him but like there was a lot more to him than we saw here and obviously again where the show ends you don't get to see that redemption story for the athlete magic johnson but i also thought that like because of the way they portrayed him here they kind of cut the legs out from under the like human redemption arc that magic johnson could have had where throughout this whole season he is like you know this perfectly moral upstanding church choir boy who was just hoping to marry his like college sweetheart when again that isn't really how this went down so i don't know i i would have liked to to and and i i'm, I'm always going to be curious about why some of these decisions were made one of the things that i've heard in kind of recent weeks um, about the show is that Adam McKay um, didn't play as active a role in the second season as he did with the first. And I thought that some of the teeth from the show, um, you know, went away at, 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 because of that. And I think the show got worse as a result. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have a a, a show with great potential that is now ending after two seasons and it's ending after two seasons because of a lot of what we're seeing in the entertainment industry where um, the only things that get a runway are IP based content, right? Star Wars, Marvel, um, yada, yada, yada. And in this case, yeah, it's technically IP and that like it happened and, we you know the lakers are a brand but it's it's the kind of thing that like it would have taken an, uh, an amount of bravery to continue with this show and that type of creative bravery just doesn't really exist in 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 the in, in the creative industry right now with executives making the safest possible choices because the entire industry is in upheaval um as a result of some of the decisions made at the beginning of the streaming wars that continue to, to, to take their price and take their toll on, on the rest of the entertainment industry. So yeah, I, I just, all of this is kind of a bummer. I wish this would have come along, you know, maybe a few years earlier 
in a healthier entertainment industry. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. That way you could have had, you know, the, the, the risks that were taken in the first season that I thought made the show a more interesting version of itself that we didn't see in the second season. And then obviously if we would have gotten a third and a fourth season, um, that would have been, that would have taken place in a healthier entertainment industry. And, and, and that just doesn't appear to, to be in the cards right now. And, and, you know, my heart really does go out to everybody involved with the show, um, Spencer Garrett came on, he, he's the guy who played Chick Hearn. He came on the show before to talk about it and talked about playing Chick and, and all of that stuff. And that was a fun conversation back at the old, um, at the old platform that I was at previously. Uh, and, and, you know, when, when you hear about a show getting canceled, there's a lot of people who put a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and a lot of passion into this project. And, and now to find out it isn't, it, it isn't moving forward is, is, really a, a kick in the nuts so um you know again positive vibes to everybody who 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 worked on this thing i do think they you know all things considered it was a fun it was an entertaining project i i there's a better version of it i think that um i hope we one day get to see but as of right now <laughs> It, it really sucks to see winning time, the story of the Showtime Lakers, end after they got beaten in the finals by the 1984 Celtics. With that, though, I am going to dive into the mailbag, and I know this wasn't directly tied to the um, to the tweet I sent out asking four questions for tonight's show, but um, Alexis, who you see often in these comments. Uh, here on YouTube, uh, she did ask if I thought that this might get picked up by a different streaming ser uh, service to maybe extend uh, the longevity of the show. And I, I think there's a chance because one thing that we've seen in the last few weeks is Max and Netflix kind of strike up a relationship there. Uh, we've seen some some HBO shows make their way over to Netflix. Uh, Band of Brothers was one that I just saw 
um, on Netflix's catalog right now. Um, others, uh, you know, there are other examples there. And maybe because of that relationship, maybe Netflix can kind of coerce HBO into letting them kind of take it moving forward from here. We've seen Netflix do this with shows in the past that uh, maybe fans thought ended a season or two too early. And maybe this gives uh, the, the showrunners an opportunity to um, it, you know build on this story as it exists right now. Adam McKay and uh, Netflix do have a relationship, so maybe he can take the project to them and say, hey, this is what we started. This is what season one looked like. This is what season two looked like. Can we maybe get back to something that resembles uh, season one a little more closely? Um, and, 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 you know, I do know that uh, the Lakers probably support a version more closely resembling season two. So maybe that's a compromise that everybody, everybody can make to get some more momentum behind this project. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily optimistic right now. I, I think that uh, for the foreseeable future, I think uh, the, the, the people who are going to be making decisions on the projects that get greenlit are going to be hugely uh, conservative in their decision making. And I think we're going to be stuck in this IP hell that we continue to be stuck in um, for at least a little while. But, you know, here's hoping that, you know, with the success of, of Oppenheimer and with the success of Barbie and with the success of, of um, various shows that have popped up in the last, you know, year to six months or so uh, that, that, you know, studios start seeing, hey, there there actually can be non-IP based projects that do well with an audience so long as they're executed well. And and maybe in, in, in finding that out, that maybe this winning time project gets some legs to at least give us like the entirety of, of Jeff Perlman's first book. You know, I know initially when, when the first season came out, there was there was a lot of thought that maybe you get this and then you get the, 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 the three ring circus is, is the name of Jeff Perlman's book about uh, Kobe and Shaq in that era. And maybe you, you just keep it running and, and you get this kind of interesting biographical look at the Lakers through various seasons or through numerous seasons of, of television and, and drama um, to, to take us all the way through to present day, uh, I, that I don't think is in the cards necessarily, but I do hope that we, we get a full retelling of the events that, that took place during the Showtime Lakers. But if we do get that, I hope that we get something closer to the first season where, yeah, the, 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 the people who were being portrayed hated those portrayals. I think that's just a part of media now where you see all these documentaries which are basically commercials about the 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 subject because the people who were producing producing those documentaries are the subjects and they expect every portrayal of themselves to be nothing but the most pristine version of of what their lives were like and i get it that's that's pr that's how this stuff goes but uh i thought that this second season was less interesting than it could have been because this was the most pristine version of some of the central figures, Magic, Genie, uh, Jerry, 
um, and, and so on and so forth. So if we do get an extension of this series, I hope that we get something that ruffles some more feathers. All right, so um, I am going to dive into the mailbag here. First question coming from Mia Sasaki. Uh, which team do you think will give the Lakers the hardest time this year during the regular season? Um, I don't know if that was, uh, you know, a... a <laughs> I don't know if, if we are specifying the regular season for a certain reason or whatever, but that's it, it's certainly an interesting question because... Like every year, especially with the Lakers, you'll get some like stupid, not as good team that gives the Lakers problems, right? Like while the Charlotte Bobcats still existed, for some reason, they just always felt like they had the upper hand on the Lakers. No matter what the situation might be in terms of the talent on the two rosters, when the Lakers go up and play Portland, that is always a tough setting to play in. Um, so like beyond that, you know, beyond the, the, the kind of dumb things that pop up in two game sample sizes with the Lakers playing teams in the Eastern conference. Um, if we're just talking about matchups in the regular season and teams that are going to be difficult to match up with in the regular season, especially compared to the postseason, I do think that like the Sacramento Kings are going to present some issues. There's a lot of speed on on that team, and the Lakers are kind of a bigger, more hulking team that uh, that size does present advantages in the postseason when the game gets more physical and uh, you can kind of really uh, get hyper specific when it comes to the to to the scouting reports in a seven game series. Um, and that allows that size to really kind of take over during that, you know, as that series wears on those legs for the for the smaller teams that have to sprint around all over the place to, to gain their advantage. Those legs get tired, whereas like the bigger teams get to kind of lean on them and 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 really kind of take advantage of that size over the course of a seven game series. But in the regular season, when you're talking more about one game sample size here and another one game sample size there, that speed, that ability to space the floor, the way that regular season games get called in comparison to, to postseason games. I think the Kings are going to be one of those teams that like you look at and you say like, gosh, those <laughs> maybe they win three out of the four or whatever. Or if you split, you're kind of, you kind of feel happy that you split. Um, the Kings come to mind and, and a lot of those smaller running gun teams um, come to mind as as the kinds of squads that are going to give these Lakers problems uh, in, in, in that regular season setting. Next question here comes from uh, M. Macedo. Do you think this year uh, you are going to see a different Darvin Ham? Last year we had a lot of players playing in the playoffs that weren't on the team in training camp. More pressure on the coach this year, right? Would he be up to, for it? Thanks. Love the show. Thank you very much. Uh, that's from Jose Pedro at M. Macedo. So a different Darvin Ham. I think we've already started to see a different Darvin Ham to this point because you listen to him talk and he's incredibly confident. It's It's that like didn't get fired in their first season and probably exceeded expectations in their first season confidence 
that Darvin Ham is really exuding. And uh, I hope that that confidence, you know, shows itself in some chance taking during the regular season. And I, I, you know, look, I always thought that it was kind of unfair for Darvin Ham to try to coach, you know, in his first time as a head coach, try to coach a team that was clearly not heading anywhere while Russell Westbrook was on it. There was pressure probably to play Russell Westbrook. There was probably pressure to play Taylor Horton Tucker when he was still on the roster, although I don't know if they overlapped. But but still, like I, I just think um, with Darvin now having enjoyed the success that he did in last year's postseason, um, you see him and Rob Palenka during these press conferences. They're joking back and forth with each other. Uh, I think that relationship really allows him to, to be able to take some chances. And... and and yet, Darvin Ham's kind of de facto setting last year was to go small. This roster doesn't really have the pieces that, that would allow him to go small. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, who he prioritizes to be able to adhere to some of his, uh, you know, coaching ideologies. Um, coaches can be very stubborn and coaches have probably bigger egos than, than anybody really wants to acknowledge. And, uh, you know, with last year's team, Darwin, I I think part of it was a talent deficiency where he just wanted to get as much talent out onto the court as possible. And his, you know, the, the, the majority of his talent seemed to reside in his eyes with guards. And so he just threw as many guards out there as possible this year's team the 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 talent is more spread across so it's going to be interesting to see how he you know what kind of talent he prioritizes and which combinations he rolls with um one thing now that jared vanderbilt has signed his extension last year we didn't really get very much of jared vanderbilt and rui hachimura but with the lakers making an investment in both this last offseason i hope that we get to see more of them together next year um, it's going to be in, in, really interesting next year where, you know, Max Christie, I think is going to take a, a pretty giant step forward next year. Yet the Lakers signed Cam Reddish as kind of a, a, a one last chance at staying in the league kind of a situation. We know that clutch and has, has tried to apply pressure to the Lakers in the past. And it's going to be interesting to see how both sides handle that if, and when Max Christie just appears to be better at basketball um, than Cam Reddish. So, uh, yeah, stuff like that is going to be interesting to watch. But but as it pertains to like a different Darvin Ham, zooming out to the macro, I think this this roster kind of forces him to be different. They don't have enough guards to play like three at a time, and I think that's a an overall a, a good thing. And and honestly, that's how productive relationships take place between um, the front office and a head coach where the front office maybe protects a head coach from their worst tendencies. In this case, the the front office threw together a roster that does not have enough guards for Darwin to go way too small as he did at points last season. And I think that's going to make the Lakers better. Last question here comes from Austin Gabriel Walker. Uh, I live 200 miles from LA, so I don't get Spectrum. NBA passes, I'm in the Lakers' home territory, so all the games are blacked out for me. Why is life so unfair? Um, A, 
I really feel for that situation and the fact that like there are probably thousands of fans, maybe even tens of thousands of fans who are stuck in that similar kind of a spot really highlights how I think professional sports have lost the plot where, um, you know, there's, there's always this perpetual battle between competition and entertainment. And at every step along the way, competition has won that battle out as teams prioritize what helps them win for good reason. That's how people stay employed. Um, but that has led to like worst versions uh, or worse versions of the sport where like in baseball, you have every at bat before this last season, uh, before they, you know, got rid of the shift and, and they brought in the pitch count. And I, I think eventually they're probably going to, no, they did limit the uh, number of pitchers who would come in by way of like forcing pitchers to have to face certain, a certain number of batters and all of that. Baseball is starting to get back to like the version that we saw in, you know, my childhood, where it was a lot more entertaining because you saw more defensive plays, you saw stolen bases, you saw all of this stuff. And the league is like legislated more entertainment into the sport. Um, basketball, I think, is is going to have to do a lot of the same stuff where, you know, trying to get rid of the flopping and the grifting and all of that stuff that that has taken place and kind of bastardized the uh the 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 offensive side of the game um you know in in football right um the the absolute adherence to you know being so risk averse that Jared Goff completed like 384 straight passes without throwing an interception and like that sounds cool and all but when you look at these quarterbacks and you look at their final line and they go 23 for 27 for 145 yards like that's a really ugly boring game that you probably just watched and uh you know i think you the 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 uh cable situations that you've seen pop up across sports is another example of you know teams and leagues and and cable companies prioritizing the bottom line over what is best for the com uh the consumer and you have a lot of these situations where people just have like no opportunity to watch their favorite team play. And I, I just think that flies in the face of what we should all be trying to do in the first place. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I know I'm, I apologize for going on this rant and, and rave and stuff. And, and I know that some of this sounds very ideological. Um, but at some point here, we do have to like care about the consumer. Uh, we do have to care about the fan. And it's been nice to see the NBA. I think it's embarrassing that they felt like they had to, but it is. It, it has been nice to see the NBA throw some legislation out there to make it so that these teams do play their best players because that benefits the consumer and maintains interest in the sport. And, and I think that should be the whole point of everything that we're doing. So um, Austin... It really, like, it really does suck that you were going through this. And um, to everybody who are, who is also going through that same kind of situation, uh, you know, I, I really sincerely hope that that gets resolved because uh, the NBA should, and, and all of professional sports, 
should not be in the business of limiting the number of people who get to enjoy their sport. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Um, we are going to take, I believe, tomorrow off, and then we'll talk to Harrison on Tuesday, and then we will talk to Aaron on Thursday, and that will probably take care of this week's episodes, you know, breaking news notwithstanding. Um, so until then, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day, make somebody else's, and we'll talk to you 